You're listening to The People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. So I'm 33 weeks in at that point, and uh, I was huge. I, I looked like a house, <laughs> but I was fine with I was fine with that because the bigger my belly got, the healthier the pregnancy would be. Because twins almost always come out smaller than the average baby does when they're when you carry a singleton versus multiples. So I was like, let me get as huge as I need to get because it's their health in the end, at the end of the day that's the important thing here. The one that put me over the top, and this was a woman, mind you, that said this to me. Very passively, though. I don't think she thought that I was reading the comments on my Facebook page. It was a post I put up about, like, El Nino and the pattern change that the atmosphere was about to undergo. And <laughs> so it had nothing to do with girls. Like, it had nothing to do with pregnancy, nothing like that, my appearance, any of it. And underneath that post, completely irrelevant, she puts, I don't know why she has to walk around like a sausage encasing. Mm. And I'm like... What? Like, I mean, I just lost it. I got so mad. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. <laughs> hey, now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 102nd episode. Of the People's Podcast, this is JSC Radio. How's everyone doing this week? Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never effing ends. Thank you so much for all your support on every single one of these episodes. want to thank you, as always, for supporting us across all your favorite podcast providers. That's talking about Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I'm talking about SoundCloud. I'm talking about Stitcher. I have a little word on Stitcher coming up a little bit later on. I'm talking about SoundCloud and Stitcher. Talking about, well, I was going to say PodCoin, but rest in peace to PodCoin. Big up to, of course, iHeartRadio. Shouts out to Audio Boom. want to shout out to CastBox. want to give a big up to Play. Player FM to Radio Public and of course to SoundCloud. I already said SoundCloud to Spotify and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much across the board for supporting this show through three years, 102 episodes, and so many illustrious guests. If you want to follow the show, you can follow me, of course, on Twitter at jscottsmith. J a y s c o two t's s m i t. H. I am verified on Twitter. Just look for the blue check mark. I'm also verified on Facebook as Real J. Scott Smith. You can follow the show on Twitter at J. Scott Smith. You can follow both me and the show on Instagram at our names, J. Scott Smith and JSC Radio, respectively. And as of earlier this week, the show is now on Facebook. Facebook.com slash JSC Radio. I cannot believe I was able to get that name for Facebook, but I got it. Now get on there, drop a like, and can't forget, of course, the YouTube page. Support the show on YouTube. Bit.ly slash JSC Tube. The bit.ly link, which is also going to be in the description of this podcast. That voice you heard to bring in this show was the one and only Katie Fellinger. For those of you who happen to live in and around the Philadelphia area or maybe lived in New York at some point in time in the last decade, 15 years or so, you know who Katie is. Katie was, up until just a little more than a week ago, she was the morning meteorologist, the morning weathercaster, whatever you want to call her, 
on CBS3 KYW Television here in Philadelphia. Prior to that, she worked up at the CBS affiliate in New York City. Yeah, yes, I know. Exactly. She worked up at the CBS affiliate in New York City before coming to Philly. And then just about a month ago, she made the announcement that she was leaving a very good gig in TV to chase something more. And so many people were astonished by this because you would see her lovely, smiling, happy face every morning, super early. And yes, we talk about this, but she felt that it was time for something different. And she left an amazing gig working around a bunch of really great people to chase something more. And I got the opportunity to talk to her, to go out to her home and sit out in her lovely backyard on the first day of fall. So this is earlier this week. Sit in her backyard and talk to her about why she made this move, her life in television, what drew her to TV. And obviously, for those of you who may also know that name, if you were following her in 2015 when she was pregnant with her two adorable twin girls, Parker and Caden, that's right. Some of you dum-dums decided you had some really awful things to say about her body. Plus, a few years later, some people had some awful things to say about her hair. I don't understand it, but I got the opportunity to sit down and talk to Katie Fellinger. She's one of the coolest and best people I've met since coming out here to Philly. And it feels really dope to be able to tell her story and help get her story out there to the masses in a way that you just haven't heard before. So, ladies and gentlemen, the illustrious guests continue. We're going to get right into it. This is episode 102 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and I welcome in the one, the only, Katie Fellinger, as she gets to talk about doing it herself. Because, hell, this is a podcast that has been a DIY of its own variety for the last three years. Let's bring in Katie Fellinger. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Now let's get down to business. It has been, was it six days? So six days since you just finally, you you walked away. What has it been like for you to not have to get up at 2.30 in the morning at ridiculous o'clock a.m. every day so you don't have to be on on Channel 3 anymore? It has been... Nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> like I mean, seriously, it's it's been. Um, I feel almost a hundred percent healthier already. Uh, just having had a chance to get adequate sleep because that was never, ever something I had um, for eight and a half years. I mean, I spent most of my thirties. Like I joke saying this, but it's absolutely true. I feel like I spent the bulk of my thirties walking around with a glaze over my eyes because I was always tired constantly. Um, but this last six days, I've worked out every single day could not tell you the last time I did that, which was easily long before my girls were born and probably, probably almost never when I didn't have children. Um, But um, I'm still getting used to the routine because I don't quite have one yet. This is totally foreign to me to have, um, to have children to take care of, but also adequate rest. So like, I mean, I never really had a, what I'd call a solid routine, um, since the girls were born, just because things are always changing in the way you have to care for growing babies. But um, yeah, like so far, I feel like I'm riding a wave and it's all good. You were there for eight years and you became as synonymous with CBS three in the morning. Even when before I came to Philly, I had an idea of who you were because I, I have a few friends who were out here in Philadelphia. And when I moved out here, it's like, OK, so this is. So this is the Katie I've heard of, and I knew, I think at the time, it was a slightly different crew who was there to begin with. But 
you did this in the morning for eight years. When did you realize that you were just, what was the day? Was there a moment What you hit this epiphany where it's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. So there is one, what I would call straw that broke the camel's back for me, which I'll tell you about in a second. But a decision like this comes over a really long time and with a lot of compounding things that happen, right? So, I mean, we don't have to get into all the frustrations, but I definitely had some work frustrations. Uh, I had, obviously, some concerns about just my overall health um, because I was always tired. And I I can't tell you the amount of times that I would convince myself that I had some sort of a health issue, but it turned out I was really just tired and stressed. Um, And we used to have... um, a doctor come on the show semi-regularly, Dr. Rob Danoff. Love the man. Um, but I would, like, seek out free medical advice from him every time he would come on the show because he's right there to, like, say doc. And he was so great about it. Uh, but there was one time in particular where I I was just so stressed and so tired. I Like, my memory was starting to go. I couldn't remember things that happened five minutes ago, and I was freaking myself out over it. And I like convinced myself a number of occasions that I had MS just because these weird things would happen out of the blue. And it, it was just really, you know, it was freaking me out. And he's like, you just have to sleep. You have to get rest. And at that point, had they were still very little. I, I had babies. And it's like, you can't. What do oh, you yeah. do? So, um, so that was one part of it. For a lot of other reasons. But the defining moment for me happened almost a year ago to the day, actually. <clears throat> So the backstory there is friends of uh, my husband's and my, they're Penn Staters, so I, I know we can still be friends. We talk about Penn State, Michigan long, State over here, I know. As long as, long as we're not a Wolverine, we're all good around here. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but uh, friends that he was close to in college, um, by default, became my friends, which was wonderful for me because amazing, amazing people. And Kevin and Stephanie are their names. And Stephanie announced on Facebook probably two uh, years and change ago that she had been diagnosed with brain cancer. Horrible, right? And what followed was months months worth of a battle of her going very publicly through this struggle, physically, mentally, on Facebook, and, and just showing everybody what she was going through. I think she also needed the support from her, from, you know, from all of her uh, family and friends on Facebook, too. But I thought it was so insanely brave for her to put this out there. I mean, she posted videos of herself shaving her head and everything. Crazy. And um, really, really difficult struggle that she went through. And then a year ago, almost to the day, her husband was the one posting on Facebook that Steph had passed away. Yeah. So this this is still pretty fresh, and it's really hard for me to talk about, but I feel like I've told this story a couple of times now. I'm getting better at telling it without busting into tears. It's it's really hard thing. Um, but throughout all of the journey and the struggle that she went through, there's all these peppered in moments on Facebook where she's showing her sons losing their, their teeth and making donations to the tooth fairy. She's cooking Thanksgiving dinner. She's checking in to see the Incredibles in the theater and checking into restaurants. And she's marching in the LA women's March, wearing her pink wig, all of these things. And there's me then who gets home at 1 PM and is too exhausted to come push her kids on the swing. So that, when Steph died, it was this mental flame that started to burn in me. It was like, what am I doing? Like, 
what am I doing here? I, I can't live like this. This is not living because she was still using whatever time she knew she had left to build her relationships, love her kids, love her family and be active as best she could using a walker, trying to relearn how to walk, all this stuff. She went through two brain surgeries, chemotherapy. Like, I can't even imagine the toll that took on her. I had no effing excuse. And that was the moment that I'm like, I have to, I have to make a change. And from that point forward, started to really think about what am I good at? What is the skill set that I have? And how else can I use it? Because this current situation it ain't working. It's not happening. It's just not working. And I loved the actual work I was doing. I loved most of the people I worked with. Because um, there's always, everybody has that. You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you work. There's going to be drama. There's going to be gossip. There's going to be stupid crap like that. And we absolutely had that. I won't lie about that. But uh, for the most part, I really liked the people I worked with. But I hated the hours. Absolutely hated them. I don't know who would like them. Um and it was to the point where, unfortunately, the negative was outweighing the good for me. Um, and there are parts of the job that, I mean, I'm only six days in, but there's definitely parts of it that I really dearly miss right now. I really miss working with the KYW News Radio guys. Um, that might have actually been my favorite part of, um, of my gig because just such an enjoyable group. Truly, I love them so much. Um, but there's no looking back at this point. It's interesting because obviously when I first came out here to Philly, and for those who hear this podcast, they go back to the very early days of this thing where I was I I would often do my show because I was producing at a different station, but I was doing morning. So we're up at the same time. Yeah. And I remember what I would come into come into work at that station and I would see the CBS three van cause cause Trang was normally out in the streets then too, and I, that's how I first met her. She was doing a stand up and my car pulls into the parking lot. I have to kind of step around to make sure I don't walk through a shot in anything. And we ended up just talking. And, of course, she's amazing. And I would always watch you guys. And I I would get it a lot, too. Because that those hours kicked my ass. They they destroyed me because I'm, I came up as a night owl. I was working evenings. I was doing late nights. I was going to bed at 3 a.m., not getting up at 2.30, 2.35 and all this. For those who don't quite understand how the morning show thing, especially TV, because radio is different. I didn't have to be on air. So I could show up just looking like warmed over last night's dinner and nobody will know because I've just got all I need is this. You guys have to show up ready between whether it's you and Jim. I was about to say Rahel, but she's at CNBC now. But you or Jim or Janelle or I go over to to Vi and those guys at, at NBC 10, whatever. How, what is that pro, what was that process like for people who don't get early morning newscasting? How are they so alive? My mother asked me that question. How are they so alive at four o'clock in the morning? How are you able to pull that off? And what was the process that you had to go through? The fake it till you make it thing is, is real. Like you gotta, you gotta really just say, I'm on TV. I gotta act like I'm in a job interview. You know, you have to mentally be in a state. No one's actually that happy at that hour. Like, at least if you are, I mean, Yuki Washington is like a unicorn. That man actually, <laughs> when he worked the early morning and he was, um, you know, he was a veteran on our show up until probably be about four years ago now, then they moved him up to nights. Um, but I know he absolutely adored that schedule. Like the one and only person I do know that actually adored that schedule. Um, but yeah, like my, I, I mean, I had key weapons, coffee and concealer, 
you know like thank god for hd concealer because god knows it's like you know the, the dark circles were they were bad i still have them i'm waiting for those to disappear as of yet you have to think of it as though just remember that people are watching um, and if that means you do have to fake it, so be it. I, unfortunately, I think I wear my heart on my sleeve. So if I was feeling cranky, I definitely think that it showed. <laughs> um, but the other thing is that at that hour of the morning, every, not just minute, every second really counts. So I would go through these mental discussions with myself before setting my alarm the night before of, okay, I picked my outfit out, I packed my lunch, my coffee mug is sitting out, uh, do I have my parking pass from the other car, is it in the correct car? Like, okay, good, I'm make these little mental checklists and that would let that would help me determine how late I could set the alarm for. Like, okay, I can get five extra minutes that way, three extra minutes that way. And I would actually go through these discussions with myself, this is insane, but that's what I did to give myself as much sleep as absolutely possible, but then the second you wake up, you have got to move. And I would be out the door between 3.06 and 3.11. <laughs> I actually it's, know exactly the time. See, I can, I can relate to that because when, yep. I, when I first started at the old gig, I was living on the shore. Mm-hmm. So I had every minute really counted because that's a minute. It's an hour 15 in, yep. and I had to be on the road no later than – we were still, God, we were starting that show at 6 a.m. So I had to be on the road no later than 4 a.m. Yeah. And when I, and I mean like 3.58, I have to be in the car on the highway in because I know that when we get here, I've got maybe 20 minutes to kind of help get set up and I got to ride out. So it's the same thing with you where that bo- every minute counts. Yeah. Because at the end of the, at the end of the day, well, I shouldn't say end of the day, beginning of the day, ah. you're still on at 4.30. Well, now it's 4.25 because we have this extra pre-show. Um, you're on the air at 4.25. You better be in place. You better be ready. You better not have forgotten your mascara. You better, you know, have your mic pack on, all this stuff. Like everything's got to be ready. So you have to, you cannot afford to run late. And God knows you don't want to be waking up extra early for the hell of it, not on that schedule. No. So, um, yeah, so every single minute counted. And, um, yeah, I mean, luckily most days I did remember my mascara, but I remember there being one day. Like, this is years and years ago. This is when Erica and Yuki and Bob, like my original team, were still there. And we were all one group. And um, I remember seeing, like, you see yourself in the monitor doing the weather hit i'm like something just looks wrong something's off and i went into the makeup room or the weather office which sort of doubles as a makeup room I'm like oh my god i forgot to put mascara on so i just looked i just looked strange i'm not sure how to put it but yeah it's like your mind's not clear you're not fresh at all even though you have to come off that way uh so like half the time i would say things like the first half hour we used to call well we still call the warm-up show um just trying to get through that first hour or first half hour, get the cobwebs out, figure out what your message is like, and let's make it work for the next two hours. Uh, but there would be times where I'd come off from a weather hit and be like, I don't know what the F I just said. <laughs> Cause I ad lib everything. That, that's another misconception or um, uh, uh, something that I think not a lot of people realize is that when you do weather, you're ad libbing everything. Um, very rarely do you have a script. And if you do have a script, it's for like a promo for the app or something like something that sponsored thing. exactly yeah otherwise it's all me and just off my head off the top of my head i guess we got to do a little background here sure. what got you into weather what drew you to to being in weather as opposed to being news or sports and was it something that you dreamed of when you were a little girl or or just was it some people in college just say 
screw it. I think I can do TV. And they just, they, they focus in on that. Where did it first start for you? I think a lot of meteorologists in particular start with that childhood dream and love of weather. That was absolutely not how I got into it. I, I sort of fell into, yeah, I say fell into it because it's kind of how it happened for me. Even just the TV business in general, I didn't actually think about really clearly what it was I wanted to do. And in hindsight, it's one of my regrets about my schooling that I wish I would have had better career guidance um, to figure out what it was that I was really good at. Uh, and I, I think I landed in the right genre, at least, of what, what I was doing for so long. But um, weather specific, I graduated with a communications degree and a writing minor, no weather yet, and I started at PBS 39 up in Bethlehem. So technically market four was kind of a big deal for me to get that as my very first job. But I was reporter producer for them, so that's actually my original background is in uh, long form long form package writing and producing and reporting. And after two years there, I knew I needed a change because I wasn't happy uh, for another variety of reasons. But I mm-hmm. uh, knew that I wanted to move up, and I was looking at all these different hosting gigs. None of them were calling me back, and then I came across this opening at AccuWeather, and they said meteorology degree preferred not required I'm like really Interesting. exactly I'm like weather i don't know is this something i could do i don't know so i take the posting to a dear friend of mine that worked with me at the time he no longer is there anymore but um he's like you got to go for this because he always was one of those people we all i think have at least one person that just always sees the potential in you whether you see it or or not and he's like you have to go for this you would be amazing at this i'm like really i don't know but I went for it. I got called in, and and they hired me. And the rest is essentially history. So while there, you know, you're working among 50 of some of the smartest meteorological minds in the country, and learning from them and getting trained by them. And that's where my love, truly, of the weather actually blossomed and developed. And that's when I decided to go back to school and get my second degree. And uh, yeah, so that's how it all happened for me. And then I got headhunted. Um, by the news director up at CBS2 in New York. He brought me on as weekends, uh, weekend meteorologist in New York for a very short time. And then I almost sometimes feel like I was a pawn in his game because five months later I was getting shipped down I-95 to KYW to be the main morning uh, weather anchor. So it was a lot of moving all in one year for us, but that's where the journey took me and how the love of weather came into it all. You managed in, in to be able to work both – First, around the perimeter of Market 4, then up to New York City, number one, then back down into Philadelphia. So you only worked in top five media markets, which is not the thing that normally – those of us who are in the business here is that it's you gotta you gotta climb you gotta start at the bottom. I I, I started market one twelve Lansing Michigan. My cousin was in Lawton Oklahoma. I think that was one forty six, and now she's in Little Rock Arkansas, which is a step up. And you and sometimes it's just the opportunity. Yeah. You you landed there and you couldn't have told me you didn't belong in a major market every time I, as long as I've seen you. So I'd always assume that. Oh, I wonder where she started out. Did she start off in Harrisburg or, yeah. or or Charleston, West Virginia or someplace like that? No, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I was really lucky. I definitely don't take that for granted because you're right. Like a checkered resume in our business is is expected mm-hmm. and I think to some degree a good thing because it shows that you're you're able to move up relatively soon. After a couple of years in one spot, you work your way up to another market, 20, 20 markets high or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I – 
I was able to live within a three-hour drive of my family in Allentown, Pennsylvania, my entire career, which almost nobody gets to say. So I did get really lucky. And yeah, like the, you're right. Like it's been at minimum market for experience or above. Um, at AccuWeather, I was afforded insane opportunity to be on a national stage because they would call in the AccuWeather meteorologists to do hits on Fox, hits on ABC, CBS, national. Oh, and national um, exposure. Oh my God, it was insane. So that there's your resume tape right there, man. So I was doing regular um, sports uh, forecasts for like football games for Big Ten. So I did stuff with Big Ten Network every weekend and Fox Sports and whatnot. So killer, killer experience, which, um, yeah, I'm not sure you're able to get most anywhere else within one company like that it was nuts and so so valuable to my resume so you're at cbs3 after the start in new york you're there eight years you go you're kind of back and forth you 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 were the last of that original team to to leave actually now that i think about it because because i know yuki's still there and everybody has gone from the morning but yeah you, you were the veteran on the morning and Obviously, the other reason that I really got to first know you and everybody around the country got to know you was because in 2015, it was right around the time I first got to Philly, you were you were pregnant with those two adorable little munchkins that are running around in there, including one wearing a really cute Spider-Man outfit. And I see those two just adorable little girls. And you were pregnant publicly with those little girls. And... I can say this on my podcast. People were giving you a lot of shit for being a being a pregnant woman on TV, which I don't understand why anybody would. And you went public with it because some of those comments were very, very nasty, very disgusting. It was like you can fully – see, now you can fully say what you feel on this. But it's just like what are you – what was it like for you in the time period that you're pregnant, on air, very public gig, and – your thoughts the first time you start seeing some of the some of the negative BS start coming in about about you just being pregnant with twins. Yeah. I mean that part of it will forever blow my mind and I'll never understand why anybody has an issue with somebody carrying a, a child. Um because at the end of the day, that's how we're all here. Like there's no reason <laughs> to shame that because how do you think you got here? You know what I mean? Exactly. So that part of it is so strange and bizarre and I'll never get that but on a personal level you're hurt by it of course you're hurt by it because you're doing like we've discussed already you're just doing your damnedest to get on the air at 4 30 let alone try to look your best that part's hard enough when you've got the dark circles and the bags under your eyes and by that point when the when the really nasty comments started coming in I think I was 33 weeks in when I posted this manifesto on Facebook about the nonsense that I was dealing with. About seven and a half months at that point. Yeah. It's, it's so it was clear. close to go time, really, because with twins, you're lucky to get past week 35. Like, that's the goal. So I'm 33 weeks in at that point. And uh, it was huge. Like, I know it. I was huge. I, I looked like a house. <laughs> but I was fine with <laughs> I was fine with that because the bigger my belly got – the healthier the pregnancy would be because twins almost always come out smaller than the average baby does when they're when you carry a singleton versus multiples so i was like let me get as huge as i need to get because it's their health in the end at the end of the day that's the important thing here but yeah i mean i'm literally waddling into work (laughs) 20 extra minutes needed on the alarm believe it or not just so that i could have the time because i was so slow at that point i'm you know 
so slowly walking in. There's no way I could rush anymore. And uh, so, yeah, it just hurts your feelings in the beginning. And then the one that put, put me over the top, and this was a woman, mind you, that said this to me. Very passively, though. I don't think she thought that I was reading the comments on my Facebook page. It was a post I put up about, like, El Nino and the pattern change that the atmosphere was about to undergo. And <laughs> so it had nothing to do with girls. Like, it had nothing to do with pregnancy, nothing like that, my appearance, any of it. And underneath that post, completely irrelevant, she puts, I don't know why she has to walk around like a sausage encasing. Mm. And I'm like, what? Like, I mean, I just <laughs> lost it. I got so mad. And I, as quickly as I could, stormed back into the weather office from where I had seen it. I saw it on one of the weather machines, uh, one of the weather computers in the center, and uh, walked back into the office and huffily sat down and started penning this post. Our fabulous meteorologist, Katie Failinger, she's getting a lot of support on Facebook, all because of a post about her pregnancy. Katie's almost 35 weeks pregnant with twins, just announced her first day of nine months. Yes. Oh my goodness. And she's unfortunately received some nasty comments about her appearance over the last few months. Now, she did not just take it as criticizing her, she felt this really was an attack on all women who have been pregnant. Yeah, so Katie responded with what she called a message for the haters, writing on Facebook, quote, even during the most uncomfortable and let's face it, less than glamorous symptoms of pregnancy. What women go through to bring their precious children into the world is simply put, amazing, and you should be lauded. She went on to say, frankly, I don't care how terrible or inappropriate anyone thinks I look, I will gladly gain 50 pounds and suffer sleepless, uncomfortable nights if it means upping my chances to deliver two healthy baby girls. And, um... That you managed to get off without dropping a bunch of f -bombs. Oh, it was hard. I mean, I chose my words very carefully yes, because I, I didn't want to stoop to that ridiculous level and say, you guys are jerks, even though, of course, I thought that. And yeah. I would, in private discussion, use much harsher language than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, look, think about this for a second. Why are you here again? Oh, right, because somebody went through this exact same journey as I'm going through. Like, why aren't we celebrating this? This is ridiculous. And seriously... I was actually very cognizant about my delivery on the air because I knew I was getting wider. And as I would turn to the side to show a weather map, I'd be covering up half the map. So I was really. I don't mean to laugh at that, but, I get but exactly right. What you're saying, so no, I was actually really careful. Like, oh well, we've got this front over Pittsburgh, but I should probably zoom it out to like the Great Lakes so I can slide it over the west enough that when I turn, I'm not going to block it. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the ridiculous things that I was actually thinking about for the viewer. <laughs> you know, it was all for them in the end. And yeah, it was still um, not enough for this particular woman. But that was not by any means the one and only comment. There were a lot of people that were just upset that I was even still working. And, you know, you need to, you need to go on bed rest. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, look, my doctor tells me what I need to do. My doctor says, work until I tell you not to. And we know that in the kind of parental leave policies that we have in America right now, you get 12 weeks. That's it. That's, that's all you you get, get 12 weeks to keep your job anyway. Now, if I wanted to go past 12 weeks of maternity leave, I don't know if they would have gotten rid of me. I have no idea. Um, that, that's never a discussion that came up. But I'm like, look, if I can actually work up until the very last day, which I ended up doing, I finished a shift, went in for an ultrasound, and never left the hospital. Oh. Yeah, so that worked out well for me. Um, I, like, I'm not going to eat away at that time just because you don't like how I look. And I'm not going to eat away at that time just because I feel like taking a mini vacation before these babies come. Because they're going to require a lot of care, and I want to be here for it.
you have the little ones and and to the credit of so many people at that station and so many more people men and women kind of got behind you and said hey that's not cool i because i went back and watched the the video the from that time period too of just how people responded how some of your co-workers responded the others who had babies and i saw some dudes who, who chimed in with pictures of them laying with their heads on their wives yeah. bellies and just saying no this is this is totally cool because yeah i mean we all got here the same way at some point 40 years ago my mother had to carry me around for nine months and, and had to carry you around for nine months and it's some of some of the women coming after you have babies themselves. You would think that would understand right. what that is like, because <laughs> you weren't walking around looking like a supermodel when you were seven and a half, eight months yeah. pregnant. Let alone with with twins. Uh, it's all so ridiculous. Yeah, and I was kind of damned no matter what I wore too. Like I, people got angry that I was wearing form fitting maternity dresses. People got angry when I would wear loose fitting maternity dresses. Like I. What am I supposed to do to make y'all happy? And at the end of the day, you'll never please everybody. I think we can all understand that. But it's like, just knock it off already. <laughs> like, people are so upset about it. It, it just, it, ugh. I have no words for it because it just blows your mind. You don't, there's no way to wrap your head around that and understand it because there's nothing logical about it. As a woman in this business, or, well, you were, but you probably still are, at least in some aspects, as a woman in this business, you have enough to deal with as is. Uh-huh. What is, what from, I guess, a more modern idea is that, because you've been in it the last, you were in it for eight years here, you did it for more than, I'm guessing, more than a decade, yeah, 15. 15 years, so 15 years, so we came into the business about the same time, actually, so you were in this 15 years. As a woman, aside from obviously what you put up with with the pregnancy and everything else, what is it like for young women coming into this business firsthand now as you've seen it for 15 years? And we've heard some of the great stories and some of the horror stories of what it's like for young women coming in. What was it like for you and what do you kind of as you look back at some of this, what do you what do you think of from your time in it? Um, I actually consider myself to be one of the luckier ones because – I know that a lot of what is seemingly starting to become more talked about with the Me Too type stuff that's starting to crop up, that a lot of those kinds of stories have run deep for a really long time. There's nothing new about it, and I think it may have been just as bad, if not worse, in the years before we got into it. Um, I have have some stories of sexual harassment, of um, thankfully not so much belittling my intelligence, which I'm really grateful and happy and proud to be able to say that. I worked under some bosses that may have been horrible bosses, but they at least valued my intelligence. Um, (laughs) But man, my appearance. That's always been the thing that has been like the consistent nitpicking thing from bosses, from um, viewers. People just love to nitpick about how you look. your hair looks wrong, too much, too little makeup, you're not wearing a necklace, that is a problem. Like, stupid stuff. I'm not even kidding. We need you to complete the look. You gotta put a necklace you gotta, on. You gotta do Are you kidding me? Okay, fine. <laughs> They're gonna go the route of some people look at that outfit and go down to the shoes like what are those yeah like, I, oh my god no. yeah the, wow. that that definitely is the consistent theme though for my experience is that my appearance has been nitpicked to uh, down to the very core of every every single job i've been in that's been an issue and it sucks because that is one of the most personal things that you're putting out to the world 
is, you know, you can be doing a stand-up and reporting on something that just happened in your community. Those are facts. But then you put yourself out there in the way you are presenting yourself, your personal style, your personal fashion, and your personal best as to how you manage to make your impression on, on the world that day. And if somebody doesn't like it, they will tell you. It's, it's really hurtful at a personal level. But then, you know... It, what else can you say about it? it? Just it's wrong, it's bullying, and with online bullying, to me as an epidemic these days, that is actually something that now in this new journey I'm taking, I do kind of want to address. So, quick sidestep: I am writing a book right now. We were going to get to. And we're going to get yeah. to more about that. The first book is about something that sort of touches on the online bullying I've dealt with, but. In my big dream of a grand plan, my second book is going to actually be about that very thing um, because I have dealt with so much online bullying with the pregnancy shaming and also with my physical appearance. Your hair. Especially my hair lately. You, I, I noticed that, and I think in the last maybe six, eight months, and I'm sure it's probably been going on longer than that, but yeah. I really noticed it was much more pervasive. They would just have, again, I'll say this, it's a lot of bullshit said about your hair. And what really got me was I would see you on TV and I would think she's got like this super cool 1950s hair. I would just think it's like it's so cool. It's like you kind of have the – I compared it to like like Wilma Flintstone with blonde hair instead of red. I thought it was the coolest thing ever because it was so retro. And I started noticing on Instagram, which is another bastion of people who love to have things to say. I've, I, I've gotten – I don't get – because obviously men, we don't get as much. A lot of men aren't reticent to understand that we don't get nearly as much shit from people online. Now, we'll get it for the things we say, yes. but we don't get it for how we look. I could look like, again, warmed over garbage. If people really saw what I looked like when I was strolling there at 4.30 in the morning, I've sat and done news with a, wearing a pro wrestling T-shirt and a baseball cap, and I just and yet I sound authoritative. But a woman can get nitpicked because of her hair, her, her earrings, her every, everything, and it's, out, it's outrageous. Like, if you're going to attack me, Attack me for something I said. I mean, I'm still going to tell you to go sit and spin, but at least mm -hmm. attack me for what I said because I know my check still clears every two weeks. Right. Your case, it's like you have to put up with this nonsense all the time, and it's often unsolicited. The hair thing is what got me because that seemed to be even more aggressive than even the pregnancy thing. And it's all from a lot of women mm -hmm. who are giving you all this nonsense about your hair. I don't, I don't get it. I thought your hair was cool. It, it just you. added character to what you did because – it's who you are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I actually really love my hair. Um, I've been growing it out over the last year or so. That's another thing. You know, these stations you work with bring in image consultants who sometimes you feel like they want you all to look exactly the same because it's like this is the air quotes way that newscasters look. I think we're starting to pull away from that. But in the process of that, there's a lot more hate on the Internet. I am absolutely not the only one that has gotten shit for her hair. I think especially African-American women that are in the news. All day. Every day. All day. It is crazy, locally and nationally. And I see this shit, and it drives me crazy because they're being themselves, goddammit. <laughs> and it's like that is, not, that is not a problem. And that's the same for me. I like my hair longer, so I wanted to grow it out. And thankfully, the image consultant that we had worked with at CBS, I consider a friend, um, she has not given me a hard time about this. And so if she says, well, if she doesn't say anything, you know, no news is good news in that regard, I'm just going to let it grow out. I wanted to, I wanted to do that. So I decided to do it. And over the last year, it's been getting a lot longer than it ever had been on the air. 
I don't like it that way. But I think maybe that's why. That's like the one big thing that's different. Otherwise, I've been styling it the exact same way. Going to the same stylist for eight years now. <laughs> She's been doing it the same way every time. But yeah, people were, people thought I was wearing a wig and, you know, sending like the, the disgusted looking emojis and all this crap. And it's like, that, believe it or not, actually hurt me personally more than the pregnancy shaming. Because again, like that's something that I actually attempted to make look good that morning. And now you're just shitting all over it. When I was pregnant, there was nothing I could do about that. Like the size was the size it was. There was nothing I could do nor would do to try to change that. I wasn't gonna stop eating. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing you could really do to change the situation. It's like, well, this is what we got, sorry. Yeah. But with my hair, it's like, oh, I guess I could have not teased it as much or I guess I could have. You start to have these, these questions that roll through your mind, whether they're warranted or not. But yeah, I probably shouldn't respond to these people, but th that is twofold for me. Partly, I can't help myself because I am emotional and I act in the moment sometimes, regrettably. But the other part of it too is that I really do believe that there is an epidemic of online bullying. And yeah, and what's it gonna take for it to stop? I don't think ignorance is the answer. Because like, yeah, you sh yeah you shouldn't mind what the people say. Ignore them. To some degree, I I agree with that. But by the same token, how are we ever going to stop this unless we have a discussion about it? Yes, indeed, you got to fight back. And Katie has been fighting back, doing everything she can to not only change the narrative around all these idiot online a hole trolls out here, but she also does want to do work to help break down the scourge of online bullying it, it's a shame that um it's kind of been normalized thanks to a certain individual but enough on that coming up after the break katie gets more in depth about not just what she plans to do now that she's stepped away from television but she also wants to talk more about her youtube channel katie fellinger diy and what inspires her to continue to do so many arts and craft projects and the pitfalls of being able to step away from the limelight to do something completely different. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 102nd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens next. This is JSC Radio. Doc Ellisworth. Hey now, J. Scott Smith here. Of course, you know, I am the host of JSC Radio, which you have heard on Stitcher from the very beginning. Because in case a lot of you don't remember, Stitcher was the first major podcast platform to pick up my show. And now they want to give something back to each and every one of you listeners on Stitcher. Introducing Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free, mind you. With Stitcher Premium for only $4.99 a month or, if you prefer, $34.99 a year. You can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and so much more. Listen to shows like the Fantasy Footballers ad-free. Or you can get shows like Dunk on Basketball and, of course, JSC Radio. Simply go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. That's Stitcher.com slash premium. 
premium to sign up today. And when you go there, drop in the promo code JSC. Get you one free month of Stitcher Premium. Don't ever say I ain't do nothing for y'all. Remember, it's stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and get one month free by dropping that promo code JSC. It's just that simple, baby. Get on Stitcher Premium right now and you can get the best in podcasting. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is J.S.C. Radio. This is the 102nd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Want to thank you all for the support of the show. Of course, we'll get back to our conversation with Katie Fellinger in a moment. But once again, want to simply shout out everybody who supports the show. Big ups to my man, Doc Illingsworth. Shout out to Doc Illingsworth because, of course, he produces the soundtrack of the show. Shout out to my man, Awesome Jones, who does the track Blue Chucks, the one that you hear at the start of just about every episode. I want to shout out guys like Chris Pridham, who've also dropped music on me. Big up to Mellow Music Group, and including, make sure you go check out the new album featuring Sky Zoo. Damn it. The Sky Zoo album, you need to check that out on Mellow Music Group like ASAP. Go check that out right damn now. Also want to thank y'all, of course, for supporting us across all your favorite podcast providers. And again, remember, if you want to get your first free month of Stitcher Premium, be sure to hit up stitcher.com slash premium and use that promo code JSC. Big up everybody, of course, listens on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Of course, premium too. Big up to people listening on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Audioboom, and everywhere else you Get your podcast. Thank you so much for your support across the board on every one of these episodes. And for all you newcomers coming in here for the first time, welcome. Damn it, welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay. So now we want to go back to our conversation with Katie Fellinger. We're going to pick things up talking about her next project. Because not only has Katie been working in television, but she also has a YouTube channel that focuses on one of her true passions. Doing it yourself arts and crafts. Katie Fellinger DIY becomes the focus as we move forward here on the 102nd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Let's get back down to business. You've had to combat a lot of that and I know with what you're doing with your, even with your, now your next venture with the youtube videos and i want you to go more into that too like in terms of the diy videos has diy always been a thing for you and also what kind of led you to want to put it on video because as i look around here and as i've as i've noticed is that you've got a fireplace sitting right here and i know at some point that was probably a stack of loose leaf paper and some glue that has turned into this amazing thing that's sitting here what led you to 
become more of the DIY that DIY type person and also what inspired you to want to put it on YouTube and do videos? So I'll start with the most recent first, which is the YouTube stuff. Um, so my channel is Katie Failinger DIY. Um, and the YouTube channel was more than anything just this grand experiment because I knew that there was some opportunity on YouTube. I wasn't quite sure how much until I really started diving deep into it. So I call it this grand experiment of me, you know, Knowing in the back of my head that I wanted to take a big leap career-wise, using that channel while I was still employed as sort of, again, an experiment to see what could I build here. So I started learning not just smart um, video delivery on that platform, but I also started learning about how to use it for email marketing. I started learning how to use it for... um, you know, just brand building and all of those kinds of things and just see what could I actually do on my own, you know, solopreneur as they call it or one man band as they call it in our business and see what I could really do. And I was able to build, uh, I think in six months, 15,000 subscribers. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Um, the DIY subject matter though, that is a lifelong passion, man. Like I've been doing that since I can remember. I always loved any kind of arts and crafts as a child, Again, as long as I can remember, I come from a, from a family, particularly my mom, uh, who loves all of that kind of stuff too. But she's an amazing stitcher in every sense of the word. She knows how to sew. She knows how to quilt. She knows how to do any kind of embroidery, knitting, crocheting, all of it. And she's taught me how to do all of that. And I have, just because of that, developed a passion of my own because I think part of it is the nostalgia, but also I actually really enjoy it. I find it very stress-reducing, which is something I've needed a lot the last few years. Um, And then the rest of the DIY stuff that I cover, I mean, I do everything from tutorials to showing you specific techniques like how to spray paint to just giving you ideas on design. And um, all of those passions have come from just either actual interest in it from a hobby standpoint or even just necessity because when you're a college kid or you're in your first tv news job out of school you're not making squat so you need to figure out how you're going to decorate your first apartment on a serious budget and that was where a lot of that came in for me trying to figure out how I could make it look expensive but not actually be expensive so all of those things play into the channel subject matter um and I think there's a lot of people that are super interested in that kind of content. So I wanted to tr- see if I could harness it with what I know. I could certainly see you on HGTV do- doing stuff like that. <laughs> what, what was the response from the station when you initially started doing this? So it's – it was – I think that they were definitely supportive of the idea. They They – were happy that I had something that I wanted to try as a side project, but I actually kind of think in hindsight that they're like, what are you trying to do with this? You know, (laughs) (laughs) because as it started to grow, I was getting, uh, emails from all sorts of brands. I've been reached out to by probably two dozen different brands now wanting to do deals with me, whether it's, Hey, review our project, our, our product on your site or, um, Hey, we'll, we'll give you an affiliate program, um, you know, percentage of sales if you promote our, our product on your site, like those kinds of things, none of which I've actually participated in yet. But yeah, those kinds of things are starting to roll in. And I think that they kind of were starting to cock their head and question like, what are you trying to do here? Because I wasn't really sure at the time what I was trying to do. I didn't have this this idea of, of a, an end goal with it. I really just kind of wanted to see what I could build 
not what I could eventually turn it into necessarily. So um, they were as supportive as corporate policy would allow. Let's put it that way. I, I Does that it. make sense? Yeah. I, <laughs> I can relate to that feeling, especially they, I started doing this in 2016. And I had moments where some people I worked with really liked that I was doing this and they got a kick out of what I was doing. But then some other people were kind of like, so what is he really trying to do here? And it's, it is interesting because we're in that age where now people are starting to do more for themselves there. I say they're doing it themselves and it makes, and you're, they, you have to do the DIY thing. And it's a, it, it has become kind of like the next frontier really. And in terms of being able to do media where you've got all this experience on TV and it certainly helped that you have a built in fan base coming in, you get 15,000 subscribers off rip like that. That's a, that's a good base. Cause I know how YouTube algorithms work. Cause we're building the things here with, with JSC, by the way, it's bit.ly slash JSC tube. You wanted this interview will end up on the site, by the way, if you please do and definitely support hers. And I, when I see what you do, is there a particular DIY project that when when you do it is just like is that's particularly memorable one that was either super difficult or I know a recent video of yours you were kind of you kind of went behind the scenes a little on it where you were I think you were making a pillow and and you were ironing something and all of a sudden in come the two little ones who wanted to who wanted to come play with you or something and what is what is that well, what is that like are, are are there any memorable DIY projects either ones that turned out really well or you're just like oh no this didn't turn out good at all like what's the success rate on some of these oh I mean that's the other thing with DIY is that you have to expect that there will be mistakes um, but yeah you know like I mentioned everything I'm doing is one man banding it so I I don't have as private studio setup or anything like that I film the on-camera sections and the VOs the voiceovers in my garage which we're sitting next to right now um, so this is like totally totally rigged you know um, everything is completely done at my home for the most part actually everything I've put up there so far has all been filmed here at my house uh, so yeah like distractions get in the way toddlers come walking into the shots and um, that's the magic of editing but with that particular video I was making you're right it was a pillow that I was making with this special iron-on heat bonding tape and Parker walked in and she's like pointing at the ironing board like trying to get her hand dangerously close to the iron like mama what's that I'm like no don't touch don't touch you know so you hear all that in the video but that was actually part of the process because I had part of that pillow come out great and the one side didn't come out great and I think it was because I had distractions so I put that in the video it's like look if you come if you're from a household of distractions like I am maybe you want to try fabric glue instead so it's sort of like using the entire experience good and bad bloopers and all to help explain the process that I took from step A to step Z to make whatever project it is uh, that I'm making so that people understand exactly what I went through because no one is perfect. Not one, even the Joanna Gaineses of the world are not perfect. There will be mistakes along the way. And I think that part of it is actually really important to show so that people understand and can learn from the things that I did wrong. So there are other examples of that on the channel, but I would say the project that was largest and also mo that I'm of, of most proud is this chalk painted Ikea shelving unit. So I had this thing for probably eight years and it was this monstrosity just eyesore sitting in our front room because it's this super dark like really pretty I, I guess if you like that old like <laughs> that sort of glossy dark brown look to your fake wood. 
you know it yeah like it just it had gone out of style it was very late 90s early 2000s and I just like "Ah, this is really gross we just toss it I thought you know what I could probably repurpose this so I did this whole chalk painting tutorial it probably turned into a 17 minute video because it, there was so much to cover um, and it was a huge huge project and that came out awesome and I was really proud of it so that's my my biggest project and one of which I'm most proud but yeah there weren't too many mistakes on that one thankfully but that's something I like to include because I think it's important to show people when people want to get into doing things like this whether it's going into doing their own videos building their own brand and we're and we're going to come around to your book because yeah. that's that's going to be key to building their own brand what advice would you have for them because so many people these days whether it's young or old whether it's students i get a lot of the students i have coming up to me and saying i'm trying to build my website and i want to do youtube and i want to do a podcast and, and i'm looking at my like, homie slow down that's my whole thing is just like you gotta you gotta do one after the other because i'll show them what i've done and they'll see the logo and they'll see all this other stuff and i'm thinking fam do you know how long it took me just to get to the point where i could i felt comfortable doing a format of this thing it was i was 30 episodes in before i knew what i really wanted to to do how do you, what is your approach to it and how would you tell other young women or young men who want it or who look at you as an inspiration what would you tell them exactly what you just said there's a couple of things i would say but that is absolutely number one start with one thing man now i this is a classic do as i say not as i do and i understand that because i am going full speed full steam full speed ahead into a variety of projects right now um which in my ideal situation wouldn't be how i'd roll on this i would rather jump into all my new ventures separately and one at a time but it's just not the way it's working out for me um and i think that there's important value on each and every one of these but if you have that situation where you can just start with one that is so so important master the one thing master your podcast or master your youtube channel or master getting that first manuscript of your book done before you jump into anything new because once you you got to start small to blow up um and and i i think that that that's really the key to to scaling yourself from being just a one person business operation to eventually building yourself a team, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, So that's one thing I'd say. The other thing I'd say is make sure you put in the freaking work, man, (laughs) because doing it all by yourself, I know you know this. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It is a ton of work. Like I, with the YouTube stuff alone, I've spent virtually every waking moment that's not focused on my family or at a full-time job working diligently to get scripts in order to pre-plan and try to batch content so i have a handful of weeks like in the can kind of you know for a couple of weeks down the road um all of those kinds of things and that takes a lot of work so don't be afraid to do the work and make sure that you actually do the work um those are the those are probably the two biggest things i would say and now you're writing a book yes (laughs) so first and foremost when did you start on it what inspired it and how is it coming along? So it's it's actually coming along pretty swimmingly. I'm actually quite proud of myself. Over the summer, I've written 30,000 words in my oh, wow. spare time. In what spare time do you get? Yeah, so I'm very proud of that accomplishment. My goal is like 40,000 words. So it's, you know, it might end up being more than that. But that would basically be the equivalent of The Wizard of Oz in length. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm basing it on, um, funny enough. But the books... Um, the, the whole premise of this thing is how I came to this huge life-altering decision to leave what I think a lot of people from the outside looking in would consider like the dream job, a perfect existence, and 
completely abandon it and set off on my own with nothing but uncertainty <laughs> at the onset. Um, so there, it'll come in three sections. The first section is figuring out what's actually gonna make me happy. Then the second section is all about the roadblocks that I faced along the way. And the third is gonna be how I'm planning to move forward now that I'm on this new journey. And the working title of the book is My Happy Place, How I Became the Hero of My Own Story. Um, and if you watch my YouTube videos, um, this was totally organic. It actually wasn't planned, but it kind of just worked out where I always have coined it as this is the channel that's dedicated to helping you make your home your happiest place. And as I started writing this book, I thought, huh, this is really what I'm trying to strive for is to just find my happy zone exactly. in life. And it just ended up working out really well. So it sort of all connects <laughs> unintentionally, <laughs> but perfectly. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where it come, where the idea from it came from. And um, I, I do think that what I'm going through is very relatable for a lot of people because, yeah, the, the grind, the grind that we have to go through sometimes is really, really hard to battle. And if you really want to make some sort of a big life change like this, you need to have other examples of people that have done this before you. For me, it was the Rachel Hollis's of the world. For me, it was there's um, an awesome gal that I love on YouTube. Her name's Sunny Leonard Doozy. Um, she's like my mentor when it comes to all things YouTube. She knows it inside out, and I learned a ton from her. But she's the same thing where she started off just trying to scrape by with a social media consulting consultancy, and she figured out how to turn her business into a multi-million-dollar business on YouTube. So I learned a lot from her. But yeah, there are a lot of examples of people that have gone through this kind of a thing, and I think having another story about someone who pulled the trigger and actually did it, um, like to think, could be helpful to somebody. When you first thought about leaving and you came to the conclusion like, yeah, I got to do this, what was your family's reaction to it? My husband has been nothing but supportive, nothing but supportive. But I have to be truthful in that he was the one and only person that actually knew what I was thinking about for a really long time because I was terrified of the risk that I knew what, that would come with this you got a mortgage to pay. You've got two little mouths to feed, like, you know, car payment, all that stuff. Like the practicality of making a choice like this was really, really scary. And, um, thank God for him just because he, he's so incredibly supportive of everything. And we work together to figure out how we can make this work. Um, but the flip side of that is that honestly, I didn't tell most people until just a few weeks before I made the big announcement because I was afraid of what people would think. And, I am ashamed to say that because it's not what it's again, it's a practice what you preach kind of a situation. Um, but that's how I felt in that moment. Um, because even within my family, my family's super supportive, don't get me wrong. However, my role at CBS, I think was a point of pride for my family because they're for the most part all still living in this area. Mm -hmm. They tune in every day. Um, they're, su they're super proud of what I've been able to do and that means a lot to me. And to tell them that I'm just going to give it, in effect, throw it all away and give it up, I was really worried about the reaction. Um, and my mom said, when I finally told her, my mom said the coolest thing that has probably ever come out of her mouth to me, because she's been nothing but supportive of me since day one. If everything that I've ever wanted to do, she's been great about that. But she said, when I told her, you know, I always kind of thought CBS was going to be just like, one step along a journey for you 
I always thought there would be something new and different and bigger for you. And I was just like, thanks, mom. <laughs> like, then I immediately start to feel the tears well up and I gave her a big hug. And it's just, you know, that that's what really did it for me um, and made me a lot less scared to tell more people. I know it probably is a silly question, but there are no silly questions. Is there anything that you regret either about leaving, about the decision you made, about how long it took, whatever it was? Are there any regrets? Is there anything you sit there and say either kind of wish I hadn't done this or I wish I had done this sooner? Well, what is what what's there in, in the regret pile? I don't feel like I should look back at anything as a regret. I think we touched on this before that I, I if I could call it a regret, the one thing would be that I really wish that I would have realized much earlier on what my core genius zone skill set really is and known that even before I went to college because I ended up spending six years in college just figuring out what I wanted to do. I spent so much time and money changing majors then transferring schools because I wasn't sure. Like I, I couldn't get a tight grasp on what it is I really wanted to do. And if I would have really known that going into it, I would have been able to pick the right major, which probably would have had some business component to it, um, and been able to figure it out from there. Do I look at my career as regretful though? Absolutely not. Because I think it was good at it. I, I don't feel like I've wasted any of that time. What's great is I can take all of that experience and now all of the platform that I've built for myself to now take it to the next step and to the next journey and take all of this social following and all of these supporters, which I love you all, by the way. <laughs> you have no idea how appreciative I am of you. Um, I can take them with me, and it seems like a lot of them are really excited to come on the journey with me and read the book and, and keep following. So that's, that's extremely exciting. When should people expect the book? That's a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, right now, again, I'm, I'd say I'm probably a good – two-thirds of the way through it written at this point um i've got a lot obviously on my plate a lot of big projects that i am working on and i would like to think that i can't promise but i would really like to think that sometime in the first half of next year it's going to be um finally time to start putting it out there any last thing you want to say to someone who someone who's kind of on this same journey whether it's in tv radio whether they're in business whatever whatever it is that they're kind of on the fence about being willing to make a move such as this, a major move. What advice do you have for them if they're if someone's hearing this and they're thinking, damn, I want to do this, but I'm not quite sure, and what could I be leaving behind? I think the biggest hurdle I had to overcome from a personal mental standpoint was, what is it you want? It doesn't matter what anybody else wants. And I, I you know, you still have spouses you still have children that you have to support there are people in your life that matter and you need to take them into account but at the when it comes down to it what is it that's going to make you happy that's what should matter in that decision and if it's not waking up and going into a, a nine-to-five job and it's not battling traffic every day then rethink it and for me what that entailed was a real gut check like a serious self-audit of will this actually make me happy i went through this whole last year making this choice figuring out what path i wanted to take there were a couple of months in there that i was convinced i should open up my own crafting workshop and i eventually figured out that that wasn't the right move i shouldn't be buying a franchise i shouldn't be 
going into another building every single day. Nah, I got to have more freedom than that. So you have to really like think about what are the core things that will make you happy. For me, it's being able to be creative, having opportunity to grow as a human and as a professional, um, and having that freedom more than anything. That was the key for me because I felt like I was in a prison with my schedule. So that was what it was for me. And that meant that I needed to figure out my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the creative and the growth side of it, there's a ton for me to learn now. And I can still be very creative in all of these paths that I'm choosing to go down now. So it seems like it's finally the sweet spot professionally for me to be pursuing. So you got to figure that out for yourself. And then the rest needs to just sort of be reverse engineered. Figure out how much money you really need to make at the onset per month to be able to sustain that. So you might be side hustling for a long time before you can really break free, but put in the work. You will not regret it. And and hopefully you can make the same move. And now you get to spend time with those two little ladies, a ton more time with those two little ones. I am so, I am so, so excited to get to wake up with them every day because any parent that's got little four-year-old or three or two-year-old children can appreciate that it's those first few hours when they wake up that they're at their happiest. (laughs) Um, And getting to wake up with them every day is, it's everything to me. It really is. So while I've got all of these other projects going on and it's about as much work right now, if not maybe more than what I had been doing, I'm here for it. So I, I get to see them, believe it or not, as much, if not more than I ever used to. So, um, it's all good, man. <laughs> Katie Failinger, thank you so much for this. And thank you for welcoming me into this beautiful home of yours. As we're sitting here on the, one of the last, uh, first, day of first day of fall. It's first day of fall, but it feels like it's like late August out here because it's been, it's been so hot. But thank you so much. And honestly, thank you so much for being so good to me and being one of the people who welcomed me in when I walked in there after after all the experiences I had to be greeted by so many really nice people and you were at the front of the line so I'm happy as hell for you and I and I'm looking forward to what you've got coming up too and I will tell people all that but that's the other thing how do people get in contact with you we're about to shut this thing out How, how do people get in contact with you so the best way right now anyway is to find me on my website so it's just katiefailinger.com and it is a website that will continue continue to be updated uh since it's going to be reflecting all the new projects that I've got going since I haven't been out of the business for a week yet as of the recording of this podcast there's still a lot that needs to be going live on that uh, on that website but um you can start there and that'll show you sort of all the different ventures that I'm on because there's there's quite a few now thank you so much again I really appreciate it you have been always been good to me and I appreciate you being so hospitable thank you for coming on JSE radio with me and there you have it another one in the books I once again want to thank Katie Fellinger she welcomed me into her home when she didn't have to do that and I was dead serious when I said it she was one of the best nicest people in a place that have a lot of people have treated me well, but she was one of the main ones who was really good to me. And everybody over there at CBS3 has been so good to me in the time period I've been working at the day job. I want to thank y'all, too, for having my back. Katie is a wonderful person. Her husband is really cool. Those little girls couldn't be cuter than, oh, my God, especially the little one walking up wearing the Spider-Man outfit when I got there. It was just too much. She was great. The, the whole thing was great. And I have 
pretty much wish her nothing but the best. Be on the lookout for this interview on the YouTube page. That's bit.ly slash JSCTube coming up on Monday. But right now, we're getting out of here. Episode 103 was where we were hoping to get Leanne on for episode 102, but then Katie suddenly wanted to talk to me. So Leanne got bumped to episode 103. So episode 103, we take things back to Miami with Leanne Weeks, one of the most raw and real and funny interviews you'll hear from someone in the PR industry. Also, who's the salt of the city of Miami. My name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.